0: Hello and welcome to the Pageant Buzz podcast.
1: You are here with your hosts, Kristen and Rebecca. This is a podcast where we talk about glam, glitz, and what life is really like with a crown. This is a podcast for those girls who have inhaled more hairspray than they have oxygen.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the pageant buzz podcast you are here with your host Rebecca and Kristen and we have a very special guest with us here today we have the one the only YouTube superstar queen herself Danny Walker so Danny thank you for coming on welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, boy. what What an introduction! I just feel I just feel so special today. I feel like you're about to hype me up, and I'm, it was very unexpected, but thank you so much.
1: Well, I will tell you, I did post that we were interviewing you today, and we were flooded with people who were like, "I'm obsessed with Danny. I watch your channel every single day, like people who love you so much. So you have been. I know for both Kristen and I, somebody that we have admired and watched through your own pageant journey and competing and all the things that you've done in your own pageant life, plus coaching and all the insights you have. And we cannot wait to talk to you today.
2: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. It's so interesting when you just, what I do every day is just talk to a camera and there's no audience, there's nobody there. So it's always so wonderful just to hear how the channel has influenced people in a positive way or or just if they have enjoyed it so that that makes me so happy thank you
1: yeah so Danny can you literally really fast I will tell you Danny your channel got me through hours and hours and hours of cardio on the treadmill while I was prepping for Mrs. America and Mrs. International I would just put on recaps of bitty bitty Filipinas or whatever it was and just be watching your stuff because when you're in pageant prep you want to hear about pageantry so it just is like I feel like we're already best friends
2: (laughs) yes we are pageant besties already (laughs) yeah
0: okay Danny, can you just for our audience members who don't know who you are can you just give them a quick background of who you are and what you do and your background in pageantry
2: Sure. I actually started competing in pageants in 2004 on my 14th birthday. So I had been competing for a while. I started in a system called National American Miss. A lot of your viewers are probably familiar with National American Miss or maybe have competed there. I loved National American Miss. And I wanted to continue competing because back then their age division stopped at age 20 and I wanted to keep going. So I looked into the USA system. I was very intimidated by it. I I just looked at the women on stage and thought, gosh, they're so beautiful. I could just never be like these women. But I said, I'm going to give it a shot anyways. I ended up really falling in love with that system. And my journey ended up being longer than I thought it would be. I, you know, I thought, oh, maybe it'll take a couple years and then I'll win a title and go to Miss USA. That's not what happened at all. It took me seven years. And uh, on year seven, I decided to share my journey with the world of what I was doing to prepare for Miss Montana USA. So I created a series on YouTube thinking nobody would really watch it. And for me, it was more just like for fun and um, being able just to literally vlog and remember my own journey and, look back on that. Um, Interestingly enough, it started just picking up momentum. And that's when I realized that you can do YouTube as a job. Like people actually are YouTubers. I know it sounds strange now, but back then when I was starting, I just didn't realize that. And, And so I decided to really go all in with YouTube and pursue that throughout my journey. Fortunately, I won the title of Miss Montana USA. I fulfilled my dream and I got to compete at Miss USA. And One of my best friends, one of my pageant besties, Sarah Rose Summers, won Miss USA 2018. And so we spent the whole time at Miss USA together. So it was really wonderful to even just be up that close for that experience for her. And that still brings me so much joy. And so I continued with YouTube. I actually began coaching back in... Goodness, my first, I would say, unofficial client was in 2008. So it's actually been quite a while. And um, I really got into coaching in 2016. And I wanted to take it seriously around that time that I was growing my YouTube channel because I saw that there were just so many benefits. And it allowed me to have freedom, total freedom of schedule. And so now I primarily do YouTube. I also work as a coach. And it's allowed me to travel the world And then also it's given me opportunities to host galas for New York Fashion Week, Walk in New York Fashion Week. It's allowed me to host Mr. Supernational. And um, in a few weeks, I'll actually be hosting Mr. and Miss Supernational USA. And I'm really excited about that. But I'm just grateful for all the opportunities that pageantry has given to me. And now I'm really looking to always give those back to others.
0: I have a question about social media in general. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because <laughs> obviously, you know what you're doing at this point with it, or I'd like to think that you do. <laughs> you're going to be our expert for today. So, a lot of we have a lot of misses who listen to the show. We have a, a mix, definitely, but we have a lot of misses for women who are in our audience. And I feel like women of a certain age, sometimes it's hard to grasp the idea of social media. And especially as a title holder, when you're really wanting to get out what you're, you know, working towards within your community, you want people to know what you're doing. And then, I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, we want the judges, hopefully to see some of this stuff at some point and for that to help. So if you have somebody coming in, that's maybe your client that doesn't know social media very well, what do you tell them? Okay. First thing you need to do is this.
2: Okay. So there are a couple different scenarios. Cause I actually get that question a lot with my own clients. So let me just first identify the categories that women find themselves in and kind of what steps you can take. So, well, you know, option number one, or, you know, hypothetical contestant number one has no social media. Has absolutely nothing out there online. A lot of women feel very intimidated by that and they think, oh, it's too late to start. That is not true at all. It is absolutely never too late to start these things. So you need, to, you need to put that outside of your mind that it's too late to start. The advantage of having no social media is that you're starting from scratch, yes, but you're able then to learn from other people's mistakes and apply things that you like from their social media to your own social media so that you can be successful online. All right, so that's kind of option number one. Now, option number two are the contestants that have some sort of social media. They have some kind of a personal page. Maybe it's a private page. So with those types of contestants, I I ask them, and some of them I will say are are actually restricted by the type of work that they do or their careers. I've definitely come across contestants that say, my profile is private because of my job and it cannot be public. So there, there are little things like that that you have to take into consideration. Now, if you have your own social media, couple options. Um, if you're not allowed to post publicly because of your work, then I would suggest starting at your own type, whether you have a title or not, whether you're a contestant or a reigning title holder. You no, know, create a separate po- profile that is just made for those public appearances for all your pageant-related events that doesn't relate to maybe your job or your personal life if you're not allowed to be posting those those things, if you are restricted. Now If you aren't restricted by that and you do have social media then i think that the first thing to do is go over your social media page and do an audit of it and look at what you have and ask yourself like is this what i want to really be communicating to the judges if they were to see this social media page if it's not a lot of apps now they have all the capabilities for you to archive your posts so if you're not sure that you want to even delete something that's okay. I say, be, rather be safe than sorry, archive those posts, and then start building the content that you actually want to create. And that should be, you know, whatever your version of that ideal content is. Now, your, your other scenario here, though, is if you're, you are a title holder, be it local, state, national, and you have your own social media, and then you also have the official title holder social media pages, and you're trying to figure out well, what can I do with both, both of these? Um, if you do inherit a social media page from your pageant organization, there are great, once again, there's pros and cons to every one of these scenarios. So if you inherit that, you are inheriting the followers and that following that your predecessors built. That's wonderful to be able to get that. But your challenge here is you're still gonna wanna be very engaging with that title holder page and offering whatever it is that you're uniquely bringing to your year of reign to that page so then what you're going to do is convince people that after your year of reign, you got to get them to start hopping over to your to your personal page. Because that personal page at the end of the day, it's going to be the thing that you have that you, quote unquote, kind of own. And that's really where you're going to be able to get multiple opportunities, especially if you're thinking about, you know, continuing to compete in pageants, competing in multiple systems. I feel like a lot of title holders aren't taking the advantage of those the title holder pages that they're managing, and they're not really encouraging people to jump over to their personal pages. And then they give up their titles and they go, "I feel like I wasted the year. What happened? I thought I was going to get more from this experience, and I didn't. And that's because you're not initiating conversations with the people on those in, those exi- existing pages. Um, you're not engaging with them, or you're not giving them a reason to follow you on your other pages. So There's all sorts of pros and cons for different scenarios, but I think it's just really important to kind of evaluate what's in front of you and what's going to be best for you moving forward, um, considering your goals. So it is more of like a a case-by-case basis, but I will still say that I feel that, you know, you should never think that, like I said, it's too late to jump in, that there's nothing you can do, that you can't grow. If you believe that, uh, then then you're not going to grow you won't but if but if you believe that there that you can create space and that you have something to offer you definitely will be able to put that out there and that can resonate with other people that want to follow you
1: so something i've heard you talk about especially when it comes to national pageant predictions or even international pageant predictions is people's social media do you see, I I often hear you say, you know, I've noticed all of her fashion from social media. I expect her to really bring her a unique style at nationals. So I know that's something for fans that we are watching. We're looking at that kind of to see what will you be like at this actual national pageant when you get there or international pageant. Do you think honestly, judges are doing the same thing?
2: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, I know that From my own judging experiences, I know that when pageant systems that I've judged for have allowed us and provided us contestant social media pages, that I've definitely done my homework and looked into it, that I've definitely actually uh, created specific questions for contestants' profiles that I've seen. And I've tailored their interview questions to some of the things that are on their social media. That's just, that's just one side of it. But I will tell you that when I competed for Montana, for example, that was the first year that they allowed contestants to have video submissions, a one-minute video submission that goes on the official website. It's associated with your contestant photo. Um, and that was a pretty unique thing back back then. And that was, gosh, that would have been in 2017, I won my state title. Now, they also added on paperwork, what are your social media handles? And As as a coach, I see a lot of paperwork from a lot of different systems. That is becoming more and more common. So from my personal experience, I found out that after I won the title of Miss Montana USA, some of the feedback that I received was that the judges went on my social media pages. They saw my contestant video and they said they already liked me, but my social media put me over the top in comparison to other contestants I was competing with. And and I was like, that is exactly what I was going for. And I posted very strategically for one year prior to winning Miss Montana USA because I was crossing my fingers hoping that they would look at my social media page. And what I did, and I, I talk about this, I, I actually created a content queen course and I teach girls this. And so what I did was I breadcrumbed all the little parts of my brand throughout social media for a year. Then the judges were curious. They looked at my social media page. When they met me in that interview and I shared with them my personal experiences, they compared that to what they saw on social media. You can't not. When they did that, they said, she is exactly who we saw online. Like, you know, online is usually our highlight reel but when they met me in person and I was really real to them, they go, she is that person that we saw online. This isn't too good to be true. And so I use social media in that way. And the other thing I'll say is that I won't, I won't disclose who, I don't want, I don't wanna share that information cause that's theirs, but I was speaking to one USA director and they now encourage judges to look at the social media pages. And what I've heard from the director's experience is that who she is online is the girl that we end up dealing with for the year as a title holder. So if she's not very engaging online, if she's not positive online, if she's quite negative, they say that's a direct reflection of who she is and what we can expect from her as a title holder. So because the directors have had that experience, now they are sharing that with the judges in the interview room. And now that's influencing how the judges pick you. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's becoming a really big deal. And in addition to that, a lot of pageants have realized how powerful social media is. And they say, oh, well, if we do social media challenges, and if we make it a part, if we allow the, the people to vote, that's going to incentivize the contestants to share about our social media, our social media grows. They can even a lot of times they even charge you to vote online and they're like, this is a moneymaker for us. And I always tell girls, at the end of the day, ladies, unless it's Miss America, pageants are a business. So you need to, you need to be aware of that. And now pageants are realizing they're like, this is, this is so big for us. So they're loving the ladies that you don't have to be perfect on social media, but they're loving the ladies that are out there, you know, putting an effort into what they're sharing online. And, and I really just been telling that to a lot of my girls lately. I'm like, you have no idea how much it can play in to the, your success now behind the scenes in so many different ways.
0: Well, I Rebecca every always tells idea. people. Well, I know Rebecca, I was going to say, you always tell people too, and I've heard you say this, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. It's just that you're trying, that you're putting content out and that you're talking to people. So that's really interesting.
1: Like that's all kind of meshing together between what you two say. (laughs) Because as a judge, and I will tell you, even when I have a new client approach me to work with them, the first thing I do is go look at their social media and get a gauge of who are they if I'm judging them, who are they going to be as a title holder? Are they promoting their system already? What can I kind of expect? Are they talking about sponsors? What are they doing? Because I'm thinking as a judge, how will she be as the new title holder? And she's not going to all of a sudden flip a switch and become this different person. So who she was leading up is exactly who she's going to be after.
2: Yes. I couldn't agree more. And it's such a great point. And I feel like now social media has become our second resume in a pageant. It, it is, it's just this proof of how you It's exactly what you just said. I totally agree. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, Danny, so you've done Miss Montana. You did it six times and you won your seventh, right? My seventh. Yes. (laughs) How many of those six times did you want to jump on social media and be like, Uh, you know what? I don't hate, I hate this system. I hated my dress, my hair was, or whatever. And just be negative when you, you know, didn't win until your seventh time.
2: I think it's, I think it's so easy to want to do that. I think it's a really natural reaction, especially uh, when you, and this is a, I feel like a shared experience with contestants that you know, we're our own biggest fan usually, or at least we should be. And there is that feeling of disappointment when you look at your own journey, because we're all quite self-centered. We look at our own journey and we say, I put in all of that work. I deserved that. I know me, I would make a better title holder than, you know, than she did and all of those things. And I think that you definitely have that that temptation to go online and I've seen it and I'm sure you've all seen it because as soon as a girl, especially one that a lot of people have followed goes and creates a very negative post after she competes. It is, it is pageant news behind the scenes. Contestants are sending that post to each other. Directors are talking about, everybody's talking about it. But I think because I always knew that, uh, and because I've of lived by the quote, what Sally says about Susie says more about Sally than it does about Susie. And I've always had that thought in the back of my head. And at the end of the day, people, you know, people don't even care that you lost. They don't even care that you won, but they care how you react to it. Yes. And if they see how you react to it, and if you react in a negative way, the first thing that people are going to be thinking is not that, Well, that pageant was rigged and unfair. They're going to be thinking, boy, she is bitter and jealous.
1: What is sore loser?
2: That's the effect of it. So when ladies do that, I'm just, I really, I kind of like don't understand it. And although it is easy to want to vent those feelings, I just never suggest anyone doing it. Now, I think it's different if there are like real concerns of, as we've seen in recent years, we're talking right. sexual, you know, sexual assault allegation. I feel like those are different things, and there's also a different way to go about those things as well, especially if you're talking about um, pursuing. Pursuing things uh, in court, and and I like especially if that's the case, then you really probably shouldn't be talking about it anyways, because that can that can Mm -hmm. really hurt your your court case if that's the route that you're gonna go. So I really don't feel like it should ever you know you should never air that, air your frustrations on social media, and I encourage ladies not to do
1: that. Yeah, that's the time that you either go sit down and cry with your mom or your best friend or your husband or whoever it is your boyfriend and. Yep. You have that moment with them and you say all those things, but then you realize at the end of the day, like social media lives forever and yep. that is not the place that that should live. Yep.
2: Totally agree. And
1: the pageant world, it's big, but it's not that big. Yes.
0: People hear about that. Like I hear about stuff from other systems that I've never even competed in from other states, from people I didn't follow on social media, like, and Rebecca probably... Honestly, Rebecca knows all, she always knows everything about everything, (laughs) but Rebecca for everybody, Rebecca judges a lot of pageants also. So people just like be aware because I know Rebecca would remember that. And I'm sure you would too, Danny, if you were a judge and you walk in, you're like three years ago, I remember the rant you went on and that's all I'm thinking about right now.
2: I do. And I do remember things and it's because I'm so involved. I will say that's a really great point that I think contestants need to be aware of. Uh, People like myself, like Rebecca, as you mentioned, we don't really don't forget those things. And I'm not saying that it's really going to ruin all of your chances in a pageant because people do change and people do grow, but it's probably something that I'm going to ask you a question about in the interview. I I do (gasps) like to confront- You would? Oh, a hundred percent. I do. Oh yeah, I do it everybody always says, everybody always says I'm the tough judge. And uh, that's, I feel like I'm the tough judge because if I ask you a quote unquote difficult question, uh, if you are meant to be our title holder, then that question won't actually be difficult for you. You'll be so ready. And I also like to ask those tough questions to really vet the ladies, because I feel for these directors, Uh, I've heard so many stories where they're like, we've had a horrible year with a, a certain title holder because of her behavior. So I really, I'm looking out for the directors and the organization and the sponsors. And I'm really trying to find that girl that's gonna work so well with people, that's gonna be collaborative with them. Um, But I definitely, oh yeah, like I said, if I see something on your social media that it's unsettling to me, if I see some things that just don't quite add up on your paperwork, I'm going to say it. And I think it's especially useful in a panel environment because even if other judges are unaware of the information that I know, I don't even have to tell the other judges what I know. All I have to do is ask a very specific question to that contestant. You know, and if she's grown, she's changed, she'll show that to everybody. And if she hasn't, then that'll also be evident and that'll affect her score with the other judges.
1: Okay, I need to um, ask you because something you've really done with your channel in the past, I would say year especially, is cover so many international pageants. I mean, from small ones to large ones to very well-known ones, you have been international queen, I feel like doing all these international pageants from (laughs) supernational to the Philippines to, I don't know, you've done so many, I can hardly keep up. What have you learned about kind of this topic we're talking about that the media game, the social media game, from watching all these international pageants where I feel like it's an event on their media channels, like television, internet. They, you, you see their airport arrivals and departures, and it is literally paparazzi coming to watch these queens. What have you learned that we can start to incorporate here in the United States in pageantry that you'd like to see?
2: Oh, oh my gosh, there's so much. And to answer that question, I would say it's going to take a group effort. And I feel like at the end of the day, that is what we need. Because the exactly what you were talking about in those other countries, it's such an event. That is not just because of the effort that contestants put in. That is also attributed to the their teams, the fact that they have teams, the fact that people are willing to sponsor these young women and support them and be a part of their team also the fact that the media is willing to cover the events. And of course, we can't forget all of the fans that are there that are showing up. We can't force people to go to the airport for arrivals. The fans have to want to do the, do it themselves. But I really think when we look at, at that experience, it's like its own ecosystem. So the ladies have to care enough about really putting in a lot of effort into their prep. And then the sponsors have to believe that it's worthwhile for them to sponsor these ladies that because of the the reach that these ladies will have, that it's worth it for them to spend their time, their money and their resources. I think the directors have to invest on creating events that people want to see, encouraging engagement, whether that's through social media or rather bringing the contestants to places where people already are, and that is something that I think that is brilliant. Miss World has done that, Miss Universe Thailand does that, Miss Universe Philippines, and so what they're doing, they they will host events at a popular mall in their country. And yes, of course, people already want to see the contestants, their friends, the families, their supporters. But what happens when you place, you make your venue a popular mall? Oh, I know what happens. You get new fans because people get curious. And they're like, what is this? I want to follow. I'm excited. So you need the directors who are going to have a very creative approach on bringing in you know, new followers. And then, of course, the fans. I always encourage the fans to be supportive of these ladies in whatever way you can. You know, show up, purchase a ticket for the pageant. Sponsor these young women get online and if you can't do that like and share their posts like share about that like those shares cannot be underestimated. So I think that if we're going to get those changes that I would love to see in other countries it's a it's everyone it's not one thing it's everybody working together. And so, I mean, I'm always hopeful, though. I am positive. So I am hopeful that we can bring more of that kind of culture and atmosphere to the United States.
1: I think what you see with that is the amount of respect that a title has, a local title even, in some of those countries, it really is elevated. Because it's, uh, it's not just a, oh, I don't know what that's about, but it's, it's like toddlers and tiaras, which is what everyone in the United States outside of pageantry automatically assumes. There, I feel like I have said there, in let's say like Thailand, you have a local title. People are automatically like, how can we help you? We want to help you do your best. What can we do to get you to Miss Thailand? You know, they really get excited about it versus in America, it's hard to get sponsors is what we always hear. Or You know, the ticket sales are down. The numbers are low. But it's that respect and value that they put on the title that because the women give back so much, they are so visible. They are very tangible celebrities in a way. And I would love to see that kind of translate here in the United States.
2: I think I will quickly say the other challenge we do face in the United States is in those other countries, you will regularly see women like Pia or Catriona. They will be the face of brands like Pantene, for example. And they are literally the celebrities in their country. And I think that our challenge here, unfortunately, is that the United States is home to some of the biggest superstars in the world. We have Hollywood. So we look at our markets. We have LA, New York, Atlanta, Miami. Those are huge markets for film, modeling, entertainment, all of that. And so I feel like the reason why a lot of sponsors are not as attracted to pageant title holders, although they are just as talented, just as well-spoken, if not more beautiful, prepared, like they have, we have all the things that all of these other people in entertainment have. But I think that their opposition and and their pushback in entertainment is they're like, well, why would I go with her if I already have a celebrity or if I already have an influencer? Right. It's a really tough, it's a really tough question to answer. And I feel like that's a challenge, but we just, you know, ladies, you got to keep working. And that's why though, social media is so important because you know don't wait until you get that dream title that's something i certainly did i wasn't sitting there waiting for these things to happen i was working for them but in the meantime i was like what opportunities can i create with what i got in front of me so i ladies we have to take the initiative
0: i know sometimes systems don't really love to see you going from one system to the other and it might even confuse people who follow you like how for even for me personally how would i go from people knowing me as this Mrs. Ohio America to, okay, I'm going to compete at another system, whether it's a local title, I go at large to the national pageant. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like in this weird stuck area.
2: So I honestly feel it's more of like a mindset thing versus actually being stuck because I can think of so many, um contestants that like for example because i competed in national american miss and i love i love that pageant system for you know younger age divisions but i can think of contestants that went from you know like national american miss junior team title to you know like a, a team usa title or actually better better example okay so sarah rose summers she was a national american miss title holder um Camille Schreier, I believe, Miss America, also National yeah. American Miss title holder. I mean, and there it, you can just, like, go down the list of all of these women who, oh, uh, Kaylee, Kaylee, Miss Teen USA, she competed at, uh, what was, co-ed, I believe? Her title was with co-ed. Um,
1: I, well, and I automatically think of Asia. She did Mrs., Miss America and Miss USA, and she rebranded herself so and- seamlessly
2: and the thing about her too which i think is really funny if you watch the crowning of miss america the year before um asia is like literally on stage in the background of that crowning which i think is so interesting she's right there watching miss america get crowned and then the very next year she goes ahead and gets crowned as miss usa and so i think like the the like what you were saying I don't think it's actually a problem. I think it's a problem in our head. Like we put it in our head that we're like, they're not gonna like us for X, Y, and Z, or they're gonna think that, um, it's a concern. But as, as you both know, especially if you judge, judge pageants, and because we're around pageantry, I feel like even more so we're a bit understanding of that. It's like, you know, I learned what I learned from a certain system, I grew as much as I could, I won a title from it. And then I moved on because I still feel that I have value to bring. I actually judged a Mrs. Pageant. It was really interesting that uh, there was this one contestant, and she just seemed like the clear winner. Like she's, you just look at her, and you're like, you, just seem like the one right and and we were kind of asking the director about that we were like we were like this is a strange question but she just seems like the clear winner is it we're like you're cool with this like you and we're like and by the way this woman she um was a mrs contestant and or i forget ms or mrs but the system, they allowed you to be married anyways, but um, we looked at her and she had held a national title for another very well-known, you know, Mrs. Organization. And so we asked, we actually asked the director because we were all loving her. And we were like, is this, you're okay with this? Like, even though she had this other huge title and the way that the director said it to us was she's like, yeah, she has experience being a national title holder. Why not have her as our national title holder if you love her? And we were all like, say less. Great. So, so we all felt comfortable with that. The director had no issue with that. And I think it's more of like, and like you just said, uh, look at Asia, how she, I mean, Asia went back to back. And then yes. what's funny is like a lot of people, I didn't hear them even talking about her doing Miss America until kind of like way later into her reign. They were like, oh yeah, she competed at Miss America. It's like, you kind of forgot about it. Um, mm-hmm. And But I think really the key is just making sure that moving forward, that you brand yourself for your new system. So does that mean changing your wardrobe a little bit? Does that mean changing the type of posts that you're creating? Does that mean you know, more appearances? Uh, does that mean changing the type of appearances? I think that's, what's a lot more important is, is, sh- is just shifting and pivoting a little bit to be like, now I am your ideal title holder. You know, I, I've gone. And-
1: Yeah. And I think to kind of show what, why you're going to this new system, what, what value are you bringing? What, what's driving you? What are you, what are you inspired to do that's different that you didn't do before? Because what no one wants to see is you do the exact same thing 15 times, right? You know, like the, the girls who win many, many titles because they are great at pageantry, but they never do anything different with it. And that's not what you want to see. If you're going to switch systems, I say make it worth it. And if you have always had this big goal to um, do this fundraiser or host this big event or be a part of New York Fashion Week like you got to do very recently, go do it and make that part of your journey to this new title. I think that's really important to show like personal growth of why you're doing it. And, and I do it, it that eliminates question. that crown chaser question yes. because now you're not doing it just to add another crown to your collection. You're doing it because it's bringing you new goals.
2: There's a purpose. I totally agree yes. with you. And when I have... Had that experience where I've seen some contestants that I know have won multiple titles, and I've wanted to vet them a little bit more and be like, "Why are you actually here? Are you here for another crown, or is it better for me to choose another contestant who really does need the opportunity?" So, if that contestant can communicate to me her new goals and the, uh, the exactly what you said, the changes that she wants to make, I'm. Dead it's not going to affect her score at all. You know, she can, you know, she can bring all of those great skills that she learned from other pageants into that interview room or on stage, but i think that that's such an important distinction and if can, if a contestant is worried about that, is if they are worried like i'm well known as, you know, this title, then i would encourage you make sure you bring that up in interview. Even if they don't ask you about it, throw that in there and say, you know, it's okay if you want to address i i i think you should address the elephant in the room, in the event, because, you know, you might have judges that know who you are, but they're just not going to ask you. They're just like testing. They're like, I want to see what she's going to say. So I I don't know. I'm just somebody who's more of a proponent of addressing the elephant in the room, just so it's a
0: non-issue. Speaking of interviews, I have something that I like to do, and this is, I mean, like I've heard of other people doing it before I go into interview. I just say to myself, the judges are going to love me. The judges are going to love me. The judges are going to love me. Do you have any like little things that you liked to do or that you tell your clients to do? Just like little things that kind of will help them feel really confident and powerful? A
2: hundred percent, yes. So I think it varies a little bit person to person. I've seen some girls, I've watched everybody's different I guess they're like pre-interview rituals. So a couple (laughs) of things I've watched other girls do is some will just sit and journal. Um, One time before a pageant, I listened to one of those motivational videos on YouTube. And it was just like this video that just hyped me up. It, it, It like reaffirmed all of my confidence. And I won a title at that pageant. So that was, you know, an example of something successful. But what I did before Miss Montana USA, because... Uh, I knew that it was my last time and my prior feedback was that I was too perfect in my other interview. So I knew that for me, I needed to be a little bit more real. And what I did, which i had never done before was I, I sat with all the girls like in the lineup and they allowed us to speak. Things are a little different system to system, but they allowed the contestants to talk. So I just started asking the other contestants questions about themselves uh, for two reasons. One, so I could get in that conversational relaxed mood. So I wouldn't have any nerves, but then also because I knew that how much the title meant to me and I knew it would hurt quite, it would really sting if I weren't to win. So I sat there and decided I'm going to get to know these ladies. I'm going to see what their families see in them. I want to get to know like what their friends love about them so that, you know, if in the event that I don't win, that I'm gonna have peace about that. I'll have gotten to know these ladies and go. You know what? She deserved that, and that was meant for her. And so I did that. Um, so that was more like my pre-interview ritual. But I agree with you on, uh, you know, going in there like they're they're gonna love me. And I always, I actually tell contestants walk in with the idea that you know, not that they're gonna love me, but that they already do. And and then the other thing I like to do is because the reason we often get nervous with interviews, public speaking is because we are all naturally self-centered. Any person, any given time is thinking about themselves. We're thinking, oh my gosh, like, is my hair okay? Does it look good? Like, we're always thinking about ourselves in our everyday life. And because we do that, we do that before interview. So I like to shift the mindset and imagine that when I walk into the interview, it's not actually about me. I'm actually there to make the judges feel great. Like I'm there because I care about them and I want them to have a good experience in this interview. And when I shift that, like it takes away so many nerves and the same thing goes for public speaking competitions. Whether we're talking introduction or whether we're talking spokesmodel, anything like that, I encourage contestants, stop worrying about your lines, stop worrying about the speech, stop worrying about all of these things. Focus on the message that you're sharing and the need for the audience to get that message, to receive that message. You're not there because of you. You're there because what you're about to share, what you're talking about in that speech and that introduction is so important. You're there because you care about the people in the audience. And that's why you decided to stand up and share it. So I feel like if you just switch that perspective, gosh, it just takes a lot of the pressure away. I love, yeah, I love Rebecca that,
0: always that. tells us, um, she's like, it's like a coffee date, like, and like
1: speed dating. Like you, you want them to ask you to dinner. I have like an analogy that this is like coffee and your whole goal is to get them to take you to steak dinner, which is the crown.
2: I love the other thing I realized the other day was when I was talking to some of my contestants I know that you probably come across this the girls that you get you start practicing interview with them and suddenly they're a different person in a bad oh. way. they're
1: like Wait, what, the, do, you the, the what do you mean what do you mean Danny I like, could understand <laughs> And they're over here and and they sound so rehearsed.
2: And I'm like, okay, I told one of my girls the other day, I was like, I actually want you to imagine you're doing a podcast interview. And I was like, you've heard podcasts before. You've heard that people are way more relaxed. You know, they're way more laid back. So I told one of my girls, I said, forget that we're getting ready for a pageant. I want you to pretend that... This is the podcast, okay? I'm gonna intro you on the podcast. I'm gonna say, hey guys, today our guest is, you're gonna tell us a little bit about yourself like we do in pageants all the time. Like you're just gonna tell, tell us a couple things about yourself. Then I'm gonna ask you some questions and you're just, you're just gonna share with our audience today. It's gonna be a great time. I did that with a girl and I was shocked. She was a completely different person when she was like, oh, this is a cool, relaxed podcast we're doing. And that just goes to show just it's all in our heads. It's just all mindset. The way that we mentally approach it is going to affect how we deliver, how we perform in those situations. I am all about it. I'm I'm so sold on the power of mindset.
1: Literally, there are girls who <laughs> their voice changes when you say, okay, we're gonna do a round of mock, and you're having a regular conversation, and all of a sudden, Hello, I am Mrs. Edmund. I'm Rebecca Wheeler, and you're like, who is that? What just happened? Like, i I see you. You're you're the same person, but that is not who I was talking to through literally 30 seconds before we started this mock interview, and yes, I don't like that one. I want the no. first one.
2: Oh gosh, I know. I exactly love you. your.
1: I love that like um exercise of the pretend. It's just like a podcast interview. Fun.
2: Love that. Like we're going to have fun. Like it's great. Like we're going to have a great time. And also I think a lot of contestants, especially if we're talking like USA or youth systems, oh my gosh, you need to be fun in your interview. Like you need to have a great time in that interview. I can't tell you how many, as a judge, I'm sure it's like, sometimes you sit there and like, why is everybody so serious? What, what is going on? And that's a piece of advice I got. I went to the what was it the beauty brand believe expo that was hosted by pageants northwest and they held it with the global beauty awards and i went to that before i won and i literally just got there and i could only take the group classes i which were a part of the whole package i couldn't afford any of the private lessons so i was sitting there and i was just like i'm going to you know remember everything i can get whatever value that i can out of this experience and i remember one woman said that one of the speakers and she's like She's like, oh, you need to take a breath and you need to laugh a little bit in that interview. She's like, there's something about being able to incorporate humor into your interview that just like allows you, but the judges to breathe. It's like, everybody's like, oh, it relaxes everyone. It shifts the mood. And I heard that from another friend who was just winning pageant after pageant after pageant. And I was like, how are you doing this? I felt like she always had a title. I was like, I don't understand. And she goes, Oh, that's because an in interview I take the judges on a roller coaster, and I was like, "What does that even mean?" And she goes, "You know, like a roller coaster, like the ups and the downs." And I was like, "Yes." And she's like, "So we have high points, fun, happy points, and we have low points, like the serious ones." And I was like, "That is what I've been missing." I was like, "I have been boring. I have been like, even though what I've shared is important content, things that they should know about me." I looked back and I was like it's been so level. I have literally I literally flatlined in the interview room. And I was like what am I missing? I am missing like the fun playful moments and then I'm missing like those heartfelt heartwarming moments with them. It's just I mean when I thought of that when I applied that that cha- that really changed my interview.
0: That is not what I thought you meant when you first said it. I'm thinking like, oh, she just takes, she's like, buckle up, buttercup. We're going to do the (laughs) loop-de-loops. Go crazy. Okay. So that, how you just explained it. Yes. That probably is more appropriate for a pageant. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) and we're not taking them upside down no it's not there's not 10 twists on this ride um no but you, but you have to have those high and those low points and, you, and the other way I could think of it too which makes so much sense and I was like think about your favorite movies your favorite books there's climaxes there's low points there's the moment where you're like are they gonna make it is it gonna have like that's what keeps us really engaged when we're watching uh, you know, other things like that and it's like why aren't we bringing that into interview and a lot of women aren't And that's the reason I know I was like, I sit through a lot of mock interviews every single week with clients and I judge. And when I sit through these, I'm like, you didn't say anything wrong, but I was just not entertained. I was so bored the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was like, you were literally boring, (laughs) you know? And it's like, well, what what can we do for that? Just like you pre-prepare things that you want to say to the judges, you can also pre-prepare specific um, stories that are going to bring in the laughter or bring in the heartwarming stories. And, uh, and you
1: can nugget in your paperwork to yep. incorporate those stories that you have planned. Yep. Like, it just, it's literally a, a roadmap that you're giving them. You're saying, here's exactly. the paperwork and eliminate anything you do not want to talk about that oh, yes. will not make those stories come up. Because paperwork if you write something- thing. Right, like if you're putting something on there about how you teach Sunday school and you have nothing exciting to talk about except for you teach these eighth grade girls in Sunday school, well, that cannot be possible. There has to be something fun you can share. So make have that story already prepared, whatever's on here. And that way you already know, not memorize, but you know the story you're gonna tell. And then it just comes up and it's natural and you're laughing or you're crying or whatever. I mean, not bawling, obviously, but, you know, right. emotional. Yes. And then you've gone on those emotional ups and downs and it's not boring. Now, if yeah. you have a one or one and a half minute or two minute interview, like we talked about with USA, with Nam, you've got to be yeah. like in and out of there with that question and bring in those emotions yep. because I will never remember you out of a hundred and something girls in, in at national, national American Miss, like yep. actual national pageant. Yep. If you told me, I love to ride my bike outside and play with my friends like I don't remember that like okay, you got yeah. it
2: it's like what am I get what are you what as a judge like what am I gonna do with that and I, and then the thing is like when I competed my year in Montana they gave us a 90 second interview mm-hmm. so and I tell girls that and they freak out especially <laughs> if they come from the America system they're like what how could I ever and I'm like I did and I got in gosh I got in probably like five or six answers within 90 seconds. Now, I didn't do that because I rushed through. I what I did was I in the moment was a real good listener. I think great interviewers are great listeners. And I was a real good listener and if I liked the question, then I would give a little bit more detail and if I didn't like the question, that got a shorter answer. So I was very strategic with like do I want to even spend time on this? We know in pageantry or I would say most people probably know that we keep our answers at about 30 seconds right because it's great practice for on stage question. It prevents us from rambling and it's just it's it's a good, you know, good general rule of thumb right, Um, but I feel like some contestants they take that advice and then they run with it and they think every answer has to be at least 30 seconds and that's not the case. And um, I feel like Luciera really drove that point home with all of us at Miss USA. And I thought it was brilliant. She's like, You think that we want a Miss USA that's going to go into a 30 second answer for every single media interview if they ask her something as simple as, What's your favorite snack after work? You know, like, do you think that that necessarily deserves like you going on for 30 seconds trying to fill that time? It doesn't always need that. And so I was really, really strategic with like the questions that I chose to lengthen. And then the ones that I was like, this is, I like knowing myself, I was like, this isn't really important for you guys to know. Like, and so by shortening that I was essentially forcing the judges to ask me a different question, a question that was, that I had a feeling it would just be more on what, as I would say on brand for me. Um, And that's obviously helpful with the paperwork, the paperwork guides, you know, that's the paperwork is such a great tool. I love, I love when you can have paperwork.
0: (laughs) Well, Danny, you're going to have to come back on and talk about all the other things, obviously.
2: <laughs> There's so much. There is so much.
0: We could go down a lot of different rabbit holes. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions though. Okay. Okay. Some <laughs> you might give an explanation and some we just kind of want like a one word answer and if they're just like fun questions. Okay, are you ready? Ready. Okay. Would you rather do your own makeup for a pageant and be in total control or run like a couple minutes late because you're having one of the best do your hair and makeup?
2: Oh, do my own 100% every time, every single time. Because I use that, I would use that skill throughout the entire year. I want to look consistent.
0: Okay. Would you rather be too tan or not tan enough?
2: Uh, Not tan enough. (laughs) I feel like I haven't really heard anybody complain about not tan enough, but sometimes a bad tan judges are like, oh, maybe there's a little much.
0: I always say I want to be overly tan Rebecca's like pull it back we're gonna pull it back
2: (laughs) and I and I love tanning by the way I love being a bronze goddess like I I do love it but yeah probably not tan enough
0: okay hair up or hair down depends on the event totally depends. okay so we're gonna say gown
2: gown then it also depends on the dress does the dress communicate is it giving me like gosh is it giving me like sleek vibes or is it like a princess dress where I'm just like, hold on, I want like bouncy curls to go with this.
0: Okay, I will accept it. It depends for that question. <laughs> Do you like the tippy tops, the tried and true tippy tops or the diverse styles?
2: Uh, right now, preferring diverse styles. Also, they are diverse styles, like way more color options for you. And I just like the straps on them. I don't know. It's just personal preference. I feel like it's a cleaner look. And
0: okay, what does that, uh, Rebecca, they are more comfortable. I'm wearing them tonight actually at the oh. gala because my <laughs> dress is really long. Um, what is the designer that you're really feeling right now for gowns?
2: For gown? Okay, this is going to be a random one because I know that a lot of ladies don't have the custom gown option of like the, you know, the three to eight to $10,000 gowns. You know who I'm shocked by right now for off the rack, Portia and Scarlet. Have yeah. you seen have you seen? Yes. I I looked and I was like, for my, for my ladies that are more on a budget, you know, that they want to, they can only spend like less than a thousand dollars. And I was shocked. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Especially for Miss divisions or Mrs. Divisions or Ms divisions, not so much for our teens, but you know, we we got a lot of Miss.
0: We're huge cane fans. We've both, um, donned a couple of cane designs, but yeah, Portia and Scarlett has been just like out of this world lately
2: Lately, I hope it keeps going it could just be the collection that does happen sometimes
1: it's a good collection
0: okay would you rather be wearing the same dress as somebody and it's off the rack same dress but your performance is just like stellar or would you rather have a couture version of this dress and it's an okay walk that you did on stage
2: Oh, performance. I want the better performance every time. That's what I always relied upon. I live by the quote, if you don't have resources, be resourceful. I didn't ever growing up really have the money to compete at that level, like, you know, financial wise. So I always had to rely on my performance. And at the end of the day, that's what judges care about.
0: Panel or round robin?
2: Oh, either, or I never felt like it really made a difference. I compared and I competed in systems. There are both personally, I, I guess I prefer panel. I just, I just feel like I have more of an audience, but that comes from my performer side from theater. I'm just like, yes, the more the merrier.
0: Okay. Last question. Would you rather your shoe break right before you go on stage and you just kind of have to like deal with it while you're walking out there, or <laughs> would you rather just have one giant big fall and then you recover and you keep going?
1: These are
2: funny. I guess I I would rather
0: have the
2: shoe break. I feel like I've definitely had stuff like I've had dresses rip. I've still, I've competed and I've stepped on my dress like 10 times. Nobody ever noticed because I just didn't show it in my face. And I told people afterwards, I was like, I couldn't walk in that dress the entire time.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't fly your hands. Don't make a big face of it. Just keep going. Yeah. It, this is all <laughs> going as
2: planned. <laughs> and I always, and that's why I tell ladies, I'm like, you better be engaged in those facials. I was like, they should always be looking at the face because things happen down here. Stuff, stuff happens. So I'm always, it's kind of like a magic show. They're, you know what I mean? They're like, <laughs> over here behind the curtain. And I, that's what I'm always doing with my face. I'm, I'm like locking eyes. So they don't look at anything else. Like I would have to lock eyes. So I was like, don't look at my cheap dress. Like, don't look at my nails. One popped off before I got here. I was always, that's why I had to have that eye contact.
0: Well, those were my like, just fun questions that I like to ask. And they're not always the same. They're usually a little bit different, but I'll throw in a couple of similar ones every once in a while now. Okay. Now you're ready for the big question. The Chris's question of the week. Yes,
2: I'll just quickly I say, I wish that that was actually, I think that should be a segment like at Miss USA, you know how they did recently the round robin, um, yes. ask them like this or that. I think this is a way more fun this or that. I like your questions.
1: Oh, we <laughs> oh, did an yeah, that would be episode. fun. An entire episode where she spent the whole episode asking me these types of questions and then got on to me if I didn't answer the way she thought she, that I am so like, <laughs> you're asking my opinion and then you're getting mad when I say the wrong opinion, quote unquote. Okay. Opinion? Yeah, we got okay. into a little bit of a fight over the tanning. Oh my
2: gosh, that's so- <laughs> All right, here we
1: go. Right. Here's your question, Danny. Hold on. Okay. If you had to- run your entire year of a national title without using social media. Tell me your national title holder plan.
2: So people forget that not too long ago that we didn't even have social media, but we did still have pageants. So I think it's so important to always rely on the resources that you have at hand. One of the first and best would be connecting with your director, asking the existing relationships that they have with different community events. Of course, there's so much work that you're still gonna be able to do for whatever your advocacy is gonna be for the year. So partnering with different nonprofit organizations, hosting your own events. At the end of the day, social media is great. It's a way for us to reach a larger audience, but it isn't the end-all be-all, and I really don't even think that it equates to our impact that we can create in our communities as a title holder, and I don't think that you have to be a social media superstar to be a positive role model for young women or be influential, because at the end of the day, you can still be that with all of your in-person interactions. Yeah. Thank you. And I believe it. What
0: I said, I believe it. (laughs) Yeah. And you kind of and you touched on it too that social media kind of can just like put you over the edge, you know, when you're competing. And and so yeah, no, everything you just said makes sense. And well, I'm thrilled that we got to talk to you today. And um I it was funny. I emailed you the link and I got your newsletter like right after. Oh. I saw it come through. I was like, oh, did she email me? Is something wrong? And I'm like, oh, it's her newsletter.
2: Oh, which I'm so excited. I've like, really, I've gotten, I've gotten back. I've been writing so many now. And just because, um, you know, I, I've been sitting back and realized, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many resources now. Like they just kind of pile up. And, and then I was like, I need to share about them. Like I need to share about all these new things. And so I'm super excited about that because I've been sharing so much more, especially I've become Pinterest obsessed. And I've just been pinning every outfit that I love because I get a lot of wardrobe questions, and now I get to defer people to Pinterest. Like the second they ask me a question, I'm like, "I have a board for that. Like, here you go. This is this this is what I love. This is what I would recommend." <laughs> so
1: love that. It's fun. So tell everybody who listens to Pageant Buzz where they can find you. How how can we interact with you? How can we engage with you? And how can our listeners start? transitioning over to your fans too if they're not already which is not possible thank you
2: Thank you so much for allowing me to share that. Yes. So you can kind of reach out to me. I'm just about everywhere. I and mean, my website is dannywalkerofficial.com. Of course, that's going to link to all my social media pages, my blog. If you want to coach with me, I also have online resources and digital products you can check out there on Instagram. You can find me at Danny Walker on YouTube, youtube.com slash Danny Walker. And then mainly everything else is going to be Danny Walker official. So Danny, Walker official on Pinterest, all of those things, but yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We are, we know people are excited because they were letting us know. So this episode, um, I think will be a really popular one and you have to come back on.
2: I would love to, you were both so much fun and I really hope that all of our paths will cross in the near future
0: in Pageantland
2: absolutely
0: and you can find us at pageant buzz pod and as rebecca always says don't forget to sparkle
1: follow us on instagram at pageant buzz pod for all things pageant buzz